think she's got all of them that's going to go. Okay, are y'all ready? You know, I've, I know the band struggled, and it seems like we've struggled all morning in getting the right place to worship. A lot of movement, a lot of people. Sometimes I, I think we, uh, just like this fly bothered me right now, he's just... Uh, Some Sunday it's hard to get everything the way you'd like. Technology or different things or stuff that we depend on. But, um, you know, thank God we don't have to depend on technology to get into heaven. We don't have to depend on technology to walk with God every day. And those of you who don't have a Bible that you can hold and open up may want to get one because uh, technology will let you down as well as it's as good as it is at times it will let you down and I don't know about you but on days like today it's when I need the written word of God to uh, help me in there well last week we talked about faith and I talked about learning to follow Christ Himself, accessing the authority of Christ, being involved in the work that God's doing, then trusting Him while you're doing that and while you're waiting for Him to answer your prayer, and then holding on in the midst of the trials that's around us. Because faith, folks, is not something that just falls upon you. It's a learned activity in an everyday life, learning to trust God with everything that you have. And even today, I'm having to trust God to work. Um, this message today that's going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 10. I, I felt pretty comfortable with it, but I didn't know exactly why we were going to go here and till about 5 o'clock this morning, and God just kind of reminded me that there was somebody here today that needed to hear this message. And I hope maybe more than one, but at least one that needs this message to encourage them. Because in this journey called faith, once you get saved, I talked about last week about a faith into salvation. That's the beginning of, of your journey in this life. But uh, a faith into salvation is not all the faith that you need. Because you need to move beyond that, don't you? I'm going to pinch him. If I was a little younger and a little faster. But the whole thing, the reason I think you, I hope you come here today was to grow that faith. Grow your understanding of the Word of God. To grow that relationship that God has with you. <coughs> so that's what we want to do. And so in this passage of Scripture that um, Paul wrote in this letter to the Corinthians, I'm going to get my glass taken. I can see right now there's going to be something coming up.
See, he's working on my throat, too. But anyway, in this letter, probably the worst church that Paul ever started that gave him the most trouble was the church at Corinth. And that church at Corinth had a foundation of salvation. But they struggled with a lot of issues because there was multi-cultures around them. Uh, Corinth was a, a, a city on a really small, called an isthmus. It was a narrow spot there in Greece, and there was a seaport on the west side and a seaport on the east side, and it was the narrowest place there in Greece. And so what ships would do, instead of sailing way around the southern side and coming up, they would sail into the west side or the east side and cross over that isthmus to get to the other side and then get in the boat and go on. And so it was a major seaport city. And because of that, it was filled with all kinds of different types of worship. And because of that, once Paul started this church, many of the believers in this church had a lot of difficulties with their faith. <coughs> so this is Paul addressing the church in some of the difficulties beginning in verse 10 according to the grace of God which was given to me like a wise master builder I laid a foundation and another is building on it but each man must be careful how he builds on it <coughs> excuse me one of the arguments that Paul has, had just made prior to this was how people were talking about, well, I'm a Paul, I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Peter, and various things. They were trying to identify themselves with various preachers who had come through there, and, and uh, for whatever reason, to elevate themselves, if you might say, above somebody else. Trying to have an identity different than everybody else but let me tell you what every one of us even though our identities are a little different there is one salvation friends that salvation is in jesus christ it doesn't matter what denomination what church or where you learned it or, or anything about it, the foundation is jesus christ and him alone but what we build on top of that is our belief system and that's where we struggle sometimes because many times people get saved. Many times people begin to walk with Christ and they begin to add into this belief system things from their past. And I, I thought of an illustration this morning that it'd be like living in an old shack for 40 or 50 years Decided you wanted to upgrade, so you pour a real good concrete foundation. And you build you a, a real nice slab, but all you do is just transfer your old shack over on top of that foundation. You got a good foundation, but you're still living in the same old house. So when a storm comes, it's sitting on top of a good solid foundation, but what does the storm do? It tears the house down. So what you need in a good foundation is to build your belief system and have it attached to the foundation. 
It's got to be attached so it's holding on to it. So my challenge and what we're going to see with Paul is your, your belief system when you get saved need to make some adjustments. You need to tear down that old and begin to build upon that. Because like a master builder, he would never add an old onto something new. He would want to start afresh and build it solid. Verse 11, For no man can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. That's what he's talking about. So no one, Apollos or Peter or no one else coming to this church had ever tried to do anything except build upon Jesus Christ. And they understood that part. But it's the rest of it they were struggling with. Verse 12. Each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it will uh, cause it to be revealed with fire. And fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. This is a well-known philosophy even today. That if you want to purify something or test something by its strength. You use fire because if it withstands the fire, it will begin to show its strength or its weakness there. And so if you were purifying gold, how would you find to get the impurities out? You melt it down, you heat it up. Silver the same way. Your iron, you know, down here at the steel mill when they used to make good steel pipe and everything, and it was doing they, they threw all this junk iron in there, melted it all down, and then what floated to the top was called slag, and it was skimmed off to get rid of the impurities and get down to what's the pureness of, which was the pure steel. And so Paul is using this same philosophy about your belief system, that in the future it will be tested by some kind of fiery trial to find out whether it stands or not, okay? And you're going to be judged upon that. Then in verse 13, he goes on to say uh, about that is revealed by fire. Verse 14 said, uh, If a man's work which he has built remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved as through fire. Because what uh, verse 12 is part of what I was looking at, uh, the foundation of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. In our belief system, when we get saved, and you got this good foundation, if you move that old shack on there, that's all your past beliefs. Because wherever you were, whether you were 12 or 112, and you get saved, you've got a belief system. You've already been established. It's being affected every day, and you're developing a belief system. Well, then you... Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so then you begin to stand on it. But what happens is, and the weakness is, we want to bring in a lot of that old belief system. Well, what was that belief system based on? What's your old belief system based on? A lot of it's based on things people around you taught you. Some of it's based on just what you think in your own mind. But it's come from somewhere, but it's not always biblical. Parts of it may be, parts of it may not be. But what's going on with people in their life is they, they get started with their salvation and they bring all this stuff with them 
And then they try to plug it in to their faith and their walk with Christ. But what you need to do, my friends, is learn that, that through the trials and tribulations of life is to find out your belief system, what's biblical and what is not. Because there's some things in your belief system need to be removed. The impurities there. You say, well, my grandmama taught me that. Maybe she taught you what she knew. Maybe it was good, maybe it wasn't. But what you've got to learn to do in your own life is find out why you believe what you believe. Yeah, you're saved. You're walking with, with Christ. But where are you going with this from this point on? Because the downfall of the Christian life is that we've got too many things we accept that are not biblical. Are you there? Would you agree? The United States today will tell you we are a godly nation. Do you believe that? Why not? The evidence is found in the laws and the people that are making these laws and what they do. There's a great divide through what they call conservative and progressive. Well, the progressive want to say, you know, this is what God wants and we're okay with these various things. And you can name a thousand of them. But folks, what you've got to do in your own life is back up and look at your belief system and find out what Scripture says about your beliefs. And then remove those that are bad. Right now within a, a, a church, and I, I swore I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, there is a great debate in one denomination going throughout the nation today about who can preach and who can't and who is allowed in church and who's not and various things. Well, the Bible is real clear about who should be doing the preaching. It's real clear about certain behaviors. It's real clear about the, the people who God's going to use to proclaim the Word, and it's clear about those who don't and stuff. It's not that they can't be part of the kingdom, but it's the same as with them as it is us. When you come into the kingdom, you're to repent of sin. And when you repent of sin, it means turn away from it. Now, folks, uh, if you were a mass murderer and you get saved, would you want that mass murderer to go on and continue in his past habits? You would hope he would turn from that. What about a thief? If a thief gets saved, do you think it's all right for him to go on and earn his living stealing from you? You wouldn't want that, would you? Well, what about an adulteress? Well, an adulteress gets saved. You think they ought to be able to come into the church and go ahead and practice adultery throughout there? You wouldn't want that. Uh-oh, somebody's getting quiet. Uh-oh. We don't preach about some of this stuff. Now you know where I'm going. <clears throat> Our churches begin to allow all types of people to stand up and preach and teach lies. And they'll tell you, oh yeah, you believe in Christ and then everything's all right. No, it's not, folks. Christ is the foundation. But the belief system built on top of that sometimes is wrong and the reason we're arguing about some of these biblical issues is because we don't understand what the bible says about it 
One of them that really bothers me, even before I was saved, was abortion. I don't know where you stand, but I know what the Bible said. It talks about the people of Molech and, and the Moabites who used to sacrifice children, and God condemned them and said, don't dare be like the Moabite. Do not sacrifice children. Throughout Scripture, he told Jeremiah in various ones, I knew you before you was ever uh, uh, conceived in your mother's womb. So a child is special. And I've never understood this idea why we think it's okay to, to destroy a young baby. And then we say, well, we're going to argue about when is it okay and when is it not. Well, to me, the time of conception all the way through birth is a period of time not acceptable. But then we debate about this. And churches are divided. Christians are divided. See, the belief system is messed up. But we need to study Scripture and find out what God says about it. Then we have people that go on and do various things. But even within the church on smaller issues, people uh, want to believe it's all right for me just to hold on to certain things in my life that are non-biblical. Well, what you're doing is robbing yourself of being all that God wants you to be. So, what, folks, what we got to do is get over our ignorance. I don't know any better than just be real plain with you. We're biblically ignorant in the Word of God. And that's the problem with most churches. We stand up there and we want to be, we want to be told how good we are and how good God is and everything's going to be all right and pat ourselves on the back and say, I'm hunky-dory. And that's nothing more than a Pharisee or a Sadducee. But what Jesus said is to get out on your face and begin to seek Him first, be obedient to Him, and do the things that God wants you to do. And when you do that, then your belief system will be changed. And our belief system has to be changed or we'll start believing half lies. Can anybody tell me the difference between a quarter lie and a half lie? It's a whole lie. All right. You know, a quarter lie or a half lie or a white lie, they're still lies. I don't know about you folks, but I have been known to tell a lie or two when I was growing up if I thought it would benefit me, especially if it was going to keep me from getting a whooping from my daddy or my mama. But in my ignorance, I would lie not realizing they knew the truth already. Every now and then, I might get by with a good one. But it'd still catch up with me. And what I had to learn to realize is you might as well tell the truth and then suffer the responsibility and there'd be some accountability. Because that line's just not going to go very far. And then you end up lying to yourself about the lie that you've told. Or you lie to one person and then you tell a different lie to somebody else and then they get to talking and there it is. Then they don't ever want to believe you ever again. But folks, your belief system is that wall of life that you build after your salvation. Now, there were some beliefs that are non-biblical and you just don't even know it. Or maybe you do, 
But a lot of times we do it out of ignorance because we don't want to get into the Word. We don't want to study the Word. We don't want to agree with a preacher or agree with anything he says. And I'm not going to tell you I'm always right because I'm not. Ask Barbara. She'll tell you. <clears throat> but I try to be right when I'm up here. I try to present the Word to you in a way because I am scared to death of teaching you a false truth because I will be held accountable to God. So when I preach out of this Word and I talk about things that some people don't like, and I've had some get up and walk out. I said, well, don't be mad at me. Be mad at the guy that wrote the book. I'm just a messenger. I'm not writing it, but I'm trying to learn to live by it. And there's some things in there that for, for years took me a while to, to understand and apply to my life. But I pretty well got to the point after 40 years of walking with God, realized He's always right and I'm usually wrong. So the best way for me to be is to get my belief system matched up with where He's at. So it's not a great debate about what's right and wrong, folks. There is no gray area in this Scripture. And that's what Paul was addressing there at Corinth. They had had all these gray areas there. They was letting them come on. And he was trying to explain to them in this letter why it was detrimental to them. Because it didn't matter whether you were led to the Lord by Apollos or Paul or Peter or James or anybody else. It didn't matter how you came to Christ. It was Christ. And you need to measure up and, and begin to, to live according to the Word of God. Now, they didn't have the New Testament. Paul was in the process of writing this letter. I, I, I thought about this morning. Sometimes part of the misconception is these writers all got together and said, we're going to write a book and call it the New Testament. You know what the New Testament is? It's a collection of personal written letters or historical documents that were gathered together 300 years later and we're in a process called canonization uh, and in in what they accepted as from those who knew christ firsthand in their writings to make that biblical there was a lot of writings out there that were good and solid but they set a criteria they got together and then they compiled the new testament into this thing what you know of as part of the bible but these were letters written addressing issues within church. Church is. Paul wrote the majority of them. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written as a historical reference. Luke wrote the book of Acts in a historical reference. Various other letters, the book of Hebrews, uh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John were letters. James was John, uh, was a letter. Jude was uh, a letter. But Every one of them are letters written to churches or individuals to explain biblical reading and biblical understanding. And it was compiled, and I forget the date, but somewhere around the, uh, the, the beginning of the 4th century when they finally came to agreement uh, of what would be accepted and what would not. But they took these and they compiled it into a book and attached it to a group of letters that you know of as the Old Testament. You see, this book was written by, it's 66 books written by 
at least 70 different writers because it, some, some of them were written by multiple scribes and various people. Some writers wrote many, like uh, Moses and various things. But it's written by a lot of different writers, but it's compiled together for mine and your benefit to address our relationship with God. Because your belief system needs to be wrapped up in this book. It's all we've got. I believe it's inspired by God. I believe it's blessed by God. I, I believe it's been kept by God all these years. Uh, we know that dating back to the Dead Sea Scrolls, that the books were, were so reverently kept in the Old Testament that there, there's no difference even today in things that were found. And, and so God has kept it as a record so that you can know how to build your belief system. But when you begin to struggle with certain issues, you're taking part of the old life and in in building it onto the new life and it won't ever stand up. You remember when Jesus talked a parable about we don't, we don't take uh, uh, new wine and put it in old wineskins. We don't try to patch it we don't put new cloth on to, or, or make a patch and put on an old cloth because it'll tear and stuff it didn't have give. Well, that's what he's talking about. You can't take this new life in Christ Jesus unless you rebuild the whole thing. You need to start afresh and make sure your belief system is a biblical system and not something that somebody has taught you that was a half-truth or a half-lie. And political correctness, folks, is, is especially for our younger generation, is plaguing you from knowing the truth. Because they need to, they're, what they're trying to tell you is you just need to be tolerant of people. Let me tell you the most intolerant person I know. God Himself. He's very intolerant. Because he says, this is what I believe and it's what I stand on. But now this is where he's very compassionate. I will take anybody that wants to come to me and surrender their life and put them where they need to be. I'll take them and bring them. I'm glad he's back over there because he finally left me. Went to some sweetness back there. The shoe and flies. But... Um, the whole idea, folks, is you need to examine your life and your belief system so that you can walk with Him because you need to know the whole truth and nothing but that truth. Your belief system, your faith that you're standing on has to be a pure faith that, the, that all the, the impurities have been taken away. And how does God do it? He begins to test you, try you, sometimes through preaching, through, sometimes through biblical study, sometimes just through your conscience, God will begin to work in you, and through your prayer. Part of what I've been trying to do with these and teaching them faith and teaching you how to, to trust God is you've got to move beyond not having enough faith to having a lot of faith and trust in God. It's a process of daily life, and you've got to learn that. But some of you are dealing with some stuff and you don't want to line up with this book. You're saved, and I'm not questioning that, but you've got some, some, you've got some, uh, 
you've got some belief system that's not right, okay? You, you just got some bad beliefs. And you're being taught more and more. And then they want to make you feel guilty if you don't line up with it or, or line up with them. There's one judge, okay? You may be judged by a thousand people, but there's one judge that matters. And that's God Himself. So you might as well get to a place in your life that you're willing to please Him and Him alone. Because if I try to please a thousand people, I would do good to please 10 or 12. Because I'd never, there's no way you could please everybody. So you might as well get over that idea. Quit trying to be everybody's friend. Try to be friendly to everybody. But stand on the Word of God. And if they like you for that, then okay. If they love you for that, then okay. If they hate you for that, then there's no better reason to be hated than for the Word of God. But you've got to make some decisions. And some of you need to make some decisions because I believe some of you right now, the thing that's keeping you from truly walking with God is you've got some beliefs in your mind that you don't want to line up with what God's saying. Because you're struggling with some issues. And I'm not questioning your salvation, but I'm questioning your belief system. Because you're trying to input some things into there, and you don't even really know where you got them. But in seminary, they called them presuppositions. Boy, we, we went up there and paid good money to learn some new words. Presupposition. I said, what is a presupposition? That's something you suppose is right before you learn what the truth is. But what I had to do throughout my life is to examine what I believe and why I believe it. And is it biblical? And you know what? I was amazed at how little I knew about the Bible. But I was amazed at how many people could tell me where the Bible says this. And you go to looking for it and it doesn't say that. God helps those who help themselves. The Bible says that. You spend this entire week, this coming week, looking for that passage. And if you find it, I want to know the translation. Because I'm telling you, it's not in there. But that's something people have taken and done that. Well, you know, child baptism. We need to get our children baptized so no matter what they do later on in life, they, they'll be saved and be right. So we take our little babies and we go up there and we, we go through a big ceremony and baptize them and we tell them, you don't have to be saved or baptized anymore. We, we did that when you were six weeks old. No, you didn't. And I hope you've not done that. And no, I hope you're not uh, one of those because I'm here to tell you the only person that can lead you to Christ is God Himself. And you've got to accept that on your own personal purpose. Nobody can make that decision for you. Mom, Dad, you can't save your children no matter how much you try. But you can teach them how to be saved and who to trust. But you can't do it for them. It's got to be their decision. It's got to be something that's biblical. 
it, it's pretty plain. The scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13. But they've got to call on the name of the Lord. I can't do that for my children or my grandchildren. But you know what I have done? I've taught my children who to love, who to trust. Taught them that I trust them and they need to trust them. All my children are saved. And and I'm going to say, the majority of my grandchildren are. I've got a couple, about three real young ones right now, not there, but they're getting there. They probably know more than a lot of, a lot of I'm going to say no more than some of y'all. Because they've been taught the Word of God. When I'm four, when I'm seven, I've got, how old Riley, Barbara? Six. She's somewhere in there, six, seven, six years old. <clears throat> but they're being taught. But I can't make a decision for them. Mom and Dad can't make a decision for them. But we can make sure they have enough truth about it that they one day will make that decision. What about Franklin Graham? Billy Graham taught the truth. You realize Franklin Graham was a pure rebel for years in his life before he got saved? He, one of the greatest evangelists there ever was. You would People think, well, God's going to save his children no matter what. Billy Graham was one of the greatest evangelists, but he had a lost son living with him or running from him about half the time, sneaking out the window and doing whatever. Because only Franklin could accept Christ. His dad couldn't. But one day, because enough truth had been surrounded him, and enough faith had been around him, enough prayers had been lifted up, there was a day when Franklin finally came to see the truth and said, I'll give my life to Christ, and I'll accept Him as my Savior. But until that day, if he had died, he would have been went straight to the pits of hell because his belief system was not pure. He had his own. He was trying to rebel. You're going to have some kids in your life going to try to rebel. There's not much you can do for them, but make sure you teach them truth. How are you going to teach them truth if your belief system is not pure? Okay? How do you teach them when they watch you? And you say, well, it's okay for me to live this lifestyle outside of God's will, but I'm saved. You do not know how many parents I've talked to through the years that talk to them about getting their family in church and all. They say, well, me and my husband, we're saved. Well, what about these kids you've got running around here? Are you not concerned about them? Well, we're going to let them make their own decision. Well, let me tell you, they will. And more than likely, they'll make a bad decision because there's never been a truth taught to them. Because you're saved and you're all right with it. You got, you're going to be in heaven, but what about your kids? Folks, I don't know about you. I, I had rather myself go to hell than one of my kids. I, I had rather me go to hell than one of my kids suffer that. So as a father, when I got saved and got my life right, the one thing I wanted was my kids in church. Mandy was baptized when she was in Barbara's womb because when she got baptized, Mandy was there with her. Caleb went on his first mission trip when he was six weeks old.
squalled the whole time. But he was on a mission trip. And when he was the age of some of these kids out there, he was on mission trip, doing what he could do, learning. Most of the time he was learning to be in the way. But he was on a mission trip. He understood what it was. Because that's the way I raised my family. My vacation time, a lot of times, was on mission trips or doing something. Well, we want our family time. Well, I did too. Let's go on a mission trip. Let's go do this. Wag them along. Take them with them. Because I want them to know truth. And I want you to know the truth. And I want you to examine your belief system. And then I wanted you to do this in closing. What's keeping you? What what partial truth that you're holding on to is keeping you from being all that God wants you to be? I want you to think about that. I want you to bow your head right now and you pray about that. Close your eyes and get real quiet, as quiet as you can. we got some babies around here, but that's all right. I love my babies. And I want you to think about that one thing that you're unwilling to give up to be all that God wants you to be. Not question your salvation, just question your belief system. Father, we started off a little rough this morning. The enemy just didn't want us to have a good time. He didn't want us to worship you. He didn't want us to praise you. He just didn't want anything to really happen. He wanted people to leave here thinking they were disgusted because the music wasn't perfect. The, the computer didn't operate just right. The keyboard didn't want to come on. They just need to get their act together. Well, Father, we've got our act together. We're walking with you. Whether technology agrees with it, it doesn't matter. But I pray right now in this time of silence that your children that are out here in this congregation right now, there's some of them struggling with some things that they know this is keeping them from fully walking with you. Some of their works, some of their belief system are gold and silver, precious stones. But there's a little hay and stubble mixed in there with it. And I don't want them to find that when they stand before the judgment seat. I want them to find it now so they can get rid of that. So that their belief system and that wall of protection is solid. So God, speak to each one of us as we look into our hearts and our minds. May your spirit touch us so that we can be right with you. Some will find these truths later on, but there's some right here today, I believe, they already know one or two that's keeping them from following through with salvation, baptism, surrenderance, faithfulness, trusting you in all things. So you, you have your way, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now we're not through. Because what I'm going to do is ask you to do one more thing.
I want you to stand up. Lou, can we get one? Can we get a song? Anything, I don't care what. Y'all stand up, get real quiet for just a few minutes. Because I'm a firm believer that if you're being spoken to by God, you need to respond when He's speaking. So I don't know what they're going to do. I've thrown this on them. They're going to try to make this happen. But as they are, I want you to begin to respond right now to what God's telling you. You don't have to come talk to me. You come down here and talk to God and say, God, this is what's holding me back. And I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to live for you from this point on. And they're going to come up with a little music. We're going to do a couple of stanzas. But you can go ahead and start moving right now if you will. The rest of you pray and, and just uh, do whatever. But, but get yourself right. It's God's working even now. Anybody want to do that? Did God speak to anybody today? Nobody? You're waiting on the music? You're waiting on somebody else? What if you're the only one that God spoke to today on that? Would you say, I'm not going to go forward unless somebody else does? I believe somebody, at least one person, is supposed to. If you don't, okay. Hmm? Nobody. Jim, come up here and you know just as I am? Acapello? No. John, you know just as I am? Can you lead us in one? Won't you? John's going to lead us acapella, or as Barney Five says, acapulco. Just as I am. I, I would, but I, I'm not very good at it. But I want you to sing the best you can, just as I am. One time, one verse, and give you one opportunity to respond. John? Had an opportunity. Maybe God's going to speak to you later. The good thing about it, no matter where you're at, you don't have to be in church to respond to God's call. But you have to be listening when He does speak to you. I've tried to do my best. And uh, I'm just thankful for God. Yeah. God bless you. Y'all have a great week. Bless one another.